from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever been bored? When you are bored, what do you do? How do you handle it? You may find something to do just to pass the time, even if it's not productive. I don't know what the disciples did when they were bored, but it seems to me that what they were doing before Jesus asked them to put out the sea shows that they were bored. By this time, they had given up. They were just going through the motions of cleaning their nets because they did not know what to do anymore. Fishermen did not waste their time cleaning their nets when the nets have not been used to catch any fish. But here they were, seasoned fishermen, doing just that. Maybe to them at this time, pretending to be doing something after the disappointment of that day would bring them some satisfaction that they are not expended time and energy for nothing. In Luke's Gospel, Jesus had not performed many miracles in the presence of the disciples by this time. He had rebuked a fever from Simon's mother-in-law and had cast out some demons from people who in the process recognized him as the Son of God. But he had continued to preach many times in the synagogues and in many towns, saying that it was necessary for him to continue doing so. Other than that, Jesus seemed like a regular guy to them. He would visit them at their business location on the beach. They would have conversations, darkness would fall, and they would all go home for the night. They knew he could do some miracles, but they weren't expecting him to be doing them as a regular feature of his life. I wonder what they called him at this time. It doesn't look like they ever called him Jesus when they addressed him. There was closeness, but there was also distance. It would seem kind of awkward when he was with them that they would say to him, Hey Jesus, can you hold this end of the net for me? Hey Jesus, listen to what that guy over there just said to me. Hey Jesus, can you take out the trash? I imagine his half-sisters and brothers would address him that way. But the disciples, I'm not so sure. I know they often address him as rabbi because from the very first time John the Baptist introduced some of them to him, they addressed him as such. Rabbi, teacher, a term that was highly respected. Oh, by the way, we often picture the, the disciples as being very poor folks. But perhaps that's not entirely correct. Here, at least, we see that Simon, James, and John had a fishing business, a partnership. They were experts at fishing, and they were also experts at running a business. But on this day, business had not gone well at all, not even a single catch. On this same day, Jesus was doing what he loved doing best, proclaiming the good news. He just couldn't help himself. Whether it was at the synagogue or at the beach, in the city or in the country, he would proclaim the good news. It was that important to him. And it was sorely needed by the people wherever they were in their journey of life. 
And the people, they love to hear that good news. The religious leaders may not have liked this good news from Jesus, but the ordinary folks, they loved it. They couldn't get enough of it. They always followed him whenever they got wind that he would be at a particular location or was already there. Jesus went to visit some of his disciples in their office, the beach, on this day. He got into Simon's boat and asked him to put out a little from shore. Simon readily did so. When the rabbi asked you to do something, you just did it. It was like a command, even though they were friends. Jesus sat down in the boat to do what he liked doing best, to teach the people to proclaim the good news of God that was coming to fulfillment in his person. Nobody questioned or rejected anything he said, so I assume everything went well. The people were satisfied. Jesus himself was satisfied. He finished everything he wanted to tell them that day. Then he asked Simon to put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Then it became obvious to Simon, the professional fisherman, that Jesus was no fisherman at all. The reason they had been ashore that day cleaning their nets, pretending they had caught some fish, was because they had done everything professionally possible and that had not yielded any fish. They had not caught a single fish. But this is the rabbi, and the command he has issued must be obeyed. But there was a hint of protest from Simon. This is going to be another futile attempt. But he would do it because the rabbi had spoken. This time, Simon calls him master, perhaps with a touch of sarcasm there. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Simon and his colleagues let down the net. And they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. They had to signal to their partners in the other boat to come over and help. Now the boats began to sink. It was such a huge catch. They were all astonished at the catch. They had never experienced anything like that, even though they were the professional fishermen. So now, who is the master fisherman? The miraculous catch of fish hit Simon with the immediate realization that he was a sinful man. It seems clear to me that by this time, Jesus had been including in his preaching and teaching that all people were sinners. But it had not really sank him. It's like sometimes people say, we are all sinners, without really taking it seriously, like in a general sort of way. By this time, it really hit home. His reaction, he fell at Jesus' knees and confessed, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. But Jesus would not go away from him. If he went away from him, he would have to go away from every human being, from me, from you. I'm glad he stayed. There's no doubt that Simon was glad that he stayed too. And Jesus did for him what he had come to do, he did not say, no, you are not a sinner. He knew exactly whom he was dealing with. And he was going to use this person, Simon, to be a key part of what he came to do. He said to him, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. That was his absolution for Simon. He was saying to him, I know you are a sinful man, 
but I'm going to put you in a position where you'll be a key part of reaching out to others with what I have come to do to bring people back to God. I have forgiven you. And what I have said with my lips, I will pay with my body. I will seal it with my blood in death on the cross, and I will confirm it with my resurrection from the dead. You will see it, and you will go ahead with conviction to tell others about it, whether it is dangerous for you or not. When they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Jesus and his mission became their priority in life, to fish for people. I can imagine that there was a time before this when they might have responded to what Jesus said with, Who? Me? Now, this was not the first time Jesus had met Simon, James, and John, but this is the first time, first time Luke had recorded a conversation between Jesus and Simon, although he had previously healed his mother-in-law. And these three and other subsequent disciples did not immediately pull themselves out there to fish for people for the kingdom. They followed Jesus for a while. They learned some more from him. They saw him do some more miracles. Jesus himself sent them out with authority to heal the sick, cast out demons, and proclaim the good news of his coming to save the world from sin. We know the effectiveness of the work that they did, truly fishing for people as Jesus had promised them. John wrote his gospel, three letters, and a book of Revelation. Simon wrote two letters, first and second Peter. In Simon's first letter, he praised God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He reminded the recipients that according to God's great mercy, he has caused them to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable. In his second letter, he told them that they have obtained a faith of equal standing with the apostles by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The first time when they heard, heard this, especially that they had obtained a faith of equal standing with the apostles, might have been shocking to them. They had not heard directly from Jesus. They had not seen his miracles firsthand. They had not heard his voice. They did not know what he looked like. But words were coming from one who had heard him, talked to him, denied him, hid behind locked doors for fear of being killed, for being a follower of Jesus, now telling them boldly that they had a faith of equal standing with the apostles. That was good news. If you were in a congregation and hearing this being read to you, you might have looked around and wondered, who, me? It is amazing that through his apostles, one like Simon who denied him when he was, the going was tough, Jesus reveals that all Christians have a faith of equal standing with those who became his first followers and were even given the title apostles by him. Simon was encouraging them to be people who fish for other people so they will be in the same to get kingdom together with Jesus. By the word of Jesus and by the word of, of Simon and the others, we have become believers, followers of Jesus Christ. This means he calls me to be one who fishes for people for the kingdom too. And he calls you too to do the same. I can hear somebody say, who, me? You talking to me? 
me telling somebody about Jesus? Telling people about the good news of Jesus can be a terrifying venture for some people. It may be easy for others. But no matter where you fall, it is the desire of Jesus for you and all Christians. He wants people in the world to know him. He does not want it to be kept a secret, not only to a select few. And you and me and all Christians are part of it to speak in his place. Yes, we live in times when there is growing resistance even to the mere mention of the name of Jesus as the only one who saves the world from sin, death, and everlasting condemnation. But even in these difficult times, he still prepares people for you to share the gospel with, who will also come to believe in him, become his followers. You just don't know who that person might be for you specifically. And you don't have to. There is power in his name and in his word. And perhaps in your own experience, you've been surprised when somebody who is adamantly opposed to Jesus became his follower. It is amazing the confidence that Jesus has placed in you. He may place you in a situation where you are just the right person at the right time to tell somebody about him. He has not guaranteed that the person you talk to will immediately come to faith, but you don't know that. He has your back, even if you don't feel your word about him will make a difference. Jesus is above all, yet he came in humility as one of us. He was not pretentious whatsoever. He allowed himself to be treated shamefully and crucified. But by his glorious resurrection, he showed that he is the one he claims to be. And he has given us the privilege of sharing the good news about him. This is a privilege and a blessing to join him in mission, to make him known. One way or the other, somebody would listen and believe, just like you believe that Jesus is a savior from sin, your savior and mine. To him alone be all the glory, now and forever. Amen. And now we will rise to confess.